The Commentary Booth is a show for media lovers by media lovers just like you. If you want to support the show, go to pariomagazine.com.au. Welcome to the Commentary Booth, where we watch and you guessed it, commentate on the week that was in movies and TV. I'm your host and play-by-play commentator, Jamie Apps, and each week I'll be joined by a rotating cast of colour commentators to help you find your next viewing treat. This week I'm joined by a DJ who lists his favourite movie as The Gentleman and favourite TV show as Parks and Rec. Welcome back to the show, Jackson Carr. My friend, how are you? Yeah, not too bad. First one back recording in 2022 how's how's life in this new brand new year oh yeah um it's good i I played watson's bad news eve just one of the best gigs i've had in a long time then so up to brisbane and played at a festival with like all these edm people and then somehow i've managed not to catch covid despite the fact that everyone around me is dropping like flies so touch wood i'm i'm still going strong so Oh, yeah, definitely find all the wood possible and touch it all. Yep, yep. (laughs) It feels like everybody's catching it this time around. Yeah, no, it really does. Like, my roommate had it, so I missed Christmas, but I didn't get it. And, like, so I was still good for New Year's or whatever. And then, like, yeah, pretty much everyone I know, everyone in my team's got it besides, like, one person. So, yeah, it's uh, pretty intense. I'm surviving. How's your 2022, geez, going so far? quiet i'm too scared to come up there to into the mix of covid craziness so i'm just sort of sticking around down here and like i was supposed to come up on this friday coming for a wrestling event and i decided to uh pan that idea that doesn't seem like a smart option at the moment so i'm just gonna watch that one at home instead yeah that makes sense i went to the tennis last week tuesday atp cup whatever and i went with two friends and they both have covid now and i st- still don't so that was like inside at kudos bank arena so i think my booster shot's doing well for me that's for sure you are a very lucky man like i have no idea how you have managed to avoid it from the sounds of it even like that festival in brisbane the whole green room apparently like backstage everyone caught covid and stuff i'm just here Maybe it's all the alcohol just fighting off the COVID for me. <laughs> it just kills it as soon as it goes into your system. You're like Mr. Burns in that Simpsons episode where he's invincible, but maybe just the slightest breeze will kill you. Yeah, pretty much. I feel it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, Touch wood again. Let's not jinx that on you, though. Watch, watch me get it tomorrow. No, no, no. So what have you been sort of checking out? I know just before the break, uh, we both got to go and see a movie that we'd sort of been looking forward to for quite a number of years, The Matrix Resurrections. Yeah, that was hectic. Like I hadn't, as we were discussing, I I, remember I saw the first one heaps and then I reckon I saw the second one at the movies on my birthday when it came out. But I hadn't seen the third one, so, like, I kind of went in. And I kind of realised this, like, the morning of, and I was like, I'm just going to go blind. And I found, this, despite the fact that I missed a fair bit of it, 
I felt like it was just the type of movie you could just come in cold to or like having only seen the first one and really like you'd understand and you know what's going on. Like there's a few things that you might not have, but yeah, I found it very easy to follow along with and I quite enjoyed it. I was quite disappointed it wasn't filmed in Sydney, like the first one, but it's, it's all right. Luckily we, we had another one, so yeah. Yeah, so it's the the first Matrix movie since 2003 and obviously it was a trilogy in the, the beginning. Um, in my opinion, the trilogy went, the more and more movies it got through, it went further and further downhill. So I think this one did a good job of sort of recapturing sort of the spirit of the first, the original Matrix. Um, and like I said, at the start of the, f- the film, there's a lot of sort of references and breaking the fourth wall type things where I think it has enough in there to sort of remind you of all the stuff that you might have missed. And for someone that hasn't seen the third one, it doesn't dive deeply into that law that it's built up in that one. It's enough to sort of be like, hey, you should sort of understand if you've watched even just the first one, I think will be enough. Yeah, definitely. I definitely found that. And I, 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 I thought it was like, it was good casting. I, I thought Keanu Reeves was brilliant as always. And um, yeah, it was, it was good to get to the movies and see like an action blockbuster, I guess. Yeah, I did like that they managed to get all of sort of the main actors back. Keanu Reeves, Carrie Ann Moss, obviously the two main people that you wanted back, but Jada Pinkett Smith also came back. And then the the new additions to the cast were really good as well. I think Yaya Abdul-Mateen is a great actor. He's a good addition as the new Morpheus. Uh, who else do we have? Jessica Henwick, Jonathan Groff, who's like, he's that actor that you kind of look at and be like, I've seen him somewhere before, but you never really know where. And he's just in a ton of stuff. And then I think the the big surprise one was Neil Patrick Harris. Mm. Uh, what did you think of those people in the movie? I thought Neil Patrick Harris was absolutely brilliant. He played that role really, really, really well. I because I, I didn't see any of the trailers either for it. I was have a guy that like I'll just go in cold turkey to these type of movies. You might be to something. I'm like, yeah, cool. I'll come. Whatever. I don't really, I don't like watch the trailer. So I was really, yeah, I, I thought he was brilliant. And like, I thought all the new actors and characters would complement the, the old heads as well. And it was just a very well put together film. But yeah, Neil actually, actually blew me away. He was so good. So good. Especially for, for him, like it was such an unusual role as well, where he's playing, you think the good guy for the majority of the movie. And then about two thirds of the way through, it just twists and it's like, oh wait, he's the bad guy. And mm. I don't think I've ever seen him play a bad guy. Like he's always kind of the lovable side character. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And like all throughout the movie, I was kind of just waiting for like someone to turn bad or whatever, or like just like the, the twist in it. And then like, yeah, like he, he just yeah, absolutely nailed it. So um, very impressed by him. I, I want to see him do more those type of roles. Yeah, because we, we know he's a great, like, comedy actor, but I think between this and last year he was in, um, I forget what it was called now, the show on Stan about the AIDS uh, epidemic, and he plays, like, a serious role in that, and I think they're two of his, like, standout serious roles for me, so I'm excited to sort of see him dive into that a bit more moving forward. And uh for everyone that enjoys Neil Patrick Harris, I actually got to speak to him 
prior to the movie's release for the next issue of Pario Magazine, which I'm hoping comes from the printer this week. It's was delayed due to Christmas, but it shouldn't be far away and have an interview with Neil Patrick Harris going up on the website and in the, the print magazine this month. That's hectic. That's um, well done. I'm very proud of you for that. That's awesome. Yeah, that was that was one of those interviews where I was like, okay, yeah, the, the nerves are hitting now, like just before yeah. getting to, to speak to him. With The Matrix, Lana Wachowski returned to direct. What did you think of the story, particularly like the, obviously over the years, the Matrix trilogy has become like this big cult following in the, the trans community. Did you sort of pick up on the, the storyline there? I didn't really, to be honest, until we were discussing it after the film. I, I completely just went over my head. And then afterwards when you explained, I was like, oh, wow, okay, like I, I got that. And like, that's cool. Like it'd be cool to like watch it again when it, eventually drops on a streaming service and then watching that with like an open mind like that and actually realizing that'd be definitely interesting to look at yeah so like i sort of went in knowing about the the cult following that it has in the trans community so i was like i was kind of looking for it but i think it does a really nice job of if you are looking for it it's not like in your face with that story so um in the first one it's all about sort of neo finding his identity and struggling with the dichotomy between the real life and the matrix world and then this one sort of really highlights that and it makes it so that the story is you think centered around neo but really it's centered around the the pairing of neo and trinity so that the male female the main male female characters and how apart they're both really powerful but when they're combined as and they work together that's when they really excel and achieve something that couldn't be achieved before. And I think even like the cinematography in this one sort of shows not just the trans story arc, but I think Lana Wachowski's own personal transition story. So the first two movies, the first two, first three movies are very sort of artificial, dark, brooding lighting, whereas this one, now that Lana has actually transitioned, it sort of comes through in the movie where this one is all like bright, colourful, natural light and it felt like a celebration and a statement of I'm in the right place now. Yeah, I like that. That's that's something, yeah, I definitely have to like re-watch it and be like, oh, yeah, I get that. I'd probably re-watch the first Matrix and then the new one. I, I wouldn't do the other two. And, but, yeah, be definitely interesting to now know that, re-watch it and then watch it in that kind of open light as well. So, yeah. Watching this one, that's when it really, the the allegory for the trans community, like really cemented in me. Like, okay, I get it now. Like I sort of knew that was a thing in the, the previous three, but never sort of really picked up on all the clues and stuff. But then with this one, I was like, okay, yep, it's it's finally clicked for me now. And I, I totally <clears throat> understand why this is so beloved. Yeah, of course. It was interesting, came out last week that, Speaking of love, Keanu Reeves apparently donated 70% of his salary from the original Matrix film for cancer research because um, his sister or someone had cancer. So he got like $10 million in 99 and then like 30 or 35 as the movie became big. And then, yeah, apparently he donated 70% of his salary to like cancer or leukemia research or something. So it's interesting that that came out 
now, all these years later, but it just goes to show that he's also such a beloved human, so to speak. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Obviously, after watching the movie, I was like in the mood for more Matrix, and they they dropped a a demo game on PlayStation Five and Xbox Series X based on the Matrix. Oh wow! So what this is, it's like an open world. It's basically a showcase for the new Unreal Engine Five tech. That moving forward, all the sort of made the big games are going to be built on Unreal Engine Five, and this is an incredible showcase for the future of video games. There was watching it and like when it started, I was like, okay, I'm watching a video recording of Keanu and Carrie Ann talking to me, but it turns out that the entire thing is in-game engine footage. Oh, wow. So everything is animated. Nothing in this game is um, video. It's all CG, in-game what you will see in a game moving forward and incredible. I was watching just being like, no, this, this has to be like a video and then they're going to transition, but it, there's never the transition. So I was like, oh, wow. wow, this is crazy. That's mental. So I'm very excited for like the future of video games and possibly even like movies because it is that well done that you can't really tell the difference. It was crazy. Yeah, Wow. I'll have to look at some footage of that. Yeah, and then in, like, in closing, I just think The Matrix Resurrections probably goes up to, I would put it in the number two slot for me for the, the four movies right behind the original. I think I think the original is still by far the best, but this one was certainly much better than the third one and pretty substantially better than the second one as well. So right up there for me. Yeah, put it at number two for me as well, mainly because I only remember the first one and, and that one. So it's, it's 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 made the top two. Perfect. And then sort of speaking of people that were really quite generous with their income, the next movie I watched was King Richard, which comes out this Thursday. And uh, it turns out Will Smith was paid $40 million for this role but then when the movie shifted from just theatre release in the US to theatre and HBO at the same time, he gave his co-stars a big bonus check out of his own payment from the movie. So he's given it to everyone that mainly like I think probably the the supporting cast and um, in particular the two girls that play Venus and Serena Williams in the movie he would have given them a nice bonus because I think it was sort of their earliest, like their big movie break. This is their opportunity and it's kind of been a bit hurt by this pandemic situation at the moment. Yeah, I saw a preview because I went to the movies yesterday, funnily enough. Um, I saw a preview of that and it looks pretty epic. I, I I really like the look of it. Like I just, yeah, it looks, I love, I've really been into tennis lately. Uh, I always do. I guess I always do it this time of year when the Australian comes up. Um, yeah, wow, no, it looks really powerful and it's just like, it looks like a type of movie you'd laugh in, you'd cry in, you'd get pumped in, you'd just face all the emotions. Yeah, so it's like it's a pretty sort of formulaic uh, sports biopic about Venus and Serena Williams but told through the lens of their dad, and coach Richard Williams, played by Will Smith, 
the, and the Williams sisters were actually producers on the movie. So it's, I feel like it's a pretty accurate portrayal of their early childhood and how they initially got into tennis. And it, it follows them growing up as young girls sort of in the eight, nine, 10, 11 year old range at the beginning. And basically Richard had this plan from before they were even born that they were going to be tennis stars, apparently like a 700 page plan on essentially mapping out like their whole career and everything. And he kind of throughout the movie is portrayed as a bit of a, a pain in the butt for the tennis world as a whole, just because he is so stubborn and set in, this is the plan. We're going to follow it to a T no matter what any of these renowned coaches say in terms of they need to play junior tournaments. They need to do this, that, and that, whatever. He's like, Nope, we're going to do it my way. And turns out it worked pretty well. Yeah. Big time, big time. Jeez. Will Smith's portrayal of Richard Williams is an incredible performance. Like, this could easily see him nominated for an Oscar in the coming months. He plays like he performs as sort of you kind of feel sorry and sympathize with Richard Williams a little bit because it shows him sort of dealing with racism in LA in the, the early years of their life, um, poverty, violence, and then kind of just using sport as a way to get yourself and your family out of a pretty horrible situation. Mm. The the tennis scenes, so good. Like you feel like you're watching a tennis match and you're you're riding on every point, even though you kind of know what happens. Like yeah. they eventually become superstars. So they're obviously not just gonna walk out on the court and get trounced over and over again. So and then it leaves leaves it open enough to maybe do a sequel. Because this one focuses a lot on Venus and her early years and then okay. sort of ends right as she has her big moment that establishes her on the, the international tennis scene. So perhaps in the future we get one where it's Serena rising up and going past Venus. Yeah, nice. The two actresses that play the Williams sisters, Sonika Sydney playing Venus and Demi Singleton playing Serena are fantastic. I'm pretty sure... I read somewhere Sonika Sydney is like plays tennis herself, but she's left-handed and Venus is right-handed. So she had to basically teach herself how to play tennis right-handed for this role. Oh, wow. Definitely one to check out once it hits cinemas this week. Yeah, nice. So that's two of my movies. What else have you checked out recently? Well, if we want to keep going down the sport path, as I said, I went to the movies last night, I saw the trailer for that. Um, one of my favourite, if not my favourite, I'm calling him an athlete because he is an athlete. One of my favourite athletes of all time. A few people might debate that. Yes, I've had debates online about this, but he's an athlete. Is Shane Keith Warren. I love him. And there is um, a, a documentary that came out about his life on, I saw ads for it on social media and I thought it was just the movies, but it's actually on Amazon Prime. So I went and I bought tickets to go to the movies. And um, I went by myself because everyone I invite, the people I invited got COVID and other people I spoke to had COVID. I didn't want to go out. So I went by myself last night and 
despite the fact I've read his autobiography now, it was pretty much the same thing as the autobiography, but a movie version of it and went for an hour and a half. But it was really, yeah, it's just a really good look in his life and I guess like him coming up and it just, I guess, highlighted a few things. He also spoke about his divorce from his wife and how troublesome that was and how it was his, his fault and stuff. But some of the cameos in it, you had like Ed Sheeran in it and Chris Martin from Coldplay. And I'm like, yes, Warden, okay. you know you're friends with famous people. But like they had like Sachin and like Kevin Peterson and like all famous cricketers in it. But then seeing like Ed Sheeran and Chris Martin, like. Yeah, that's random. Yeah, like because he's friends with them, but it's probably like him just being like, let's put them in because like that'll make me look good. So I was sitting there because it was at the end of the, the cricket yesterday. So I was sitting there in the movies with my phone next to me with the cricket on. And I knew that was all right because the bloke behind me was doing the same thing. So that's where I got the idea from. Because <laughs> And then I'm pretty sure like other people in the movies were doing the same thing because it's cricket. And so I was watching Warnie, had the cricket on there. And it was a good documentary. Fun facts. When I, I got this book, I actually lined up and I met him and I got him to sign it. But he spelt my name as, um, I don't know if you can say that, um, Jackson, J-A-X-E-N. So um, that's how I'm going to spell my name going forward. Um, because that's what... <laughs> Shane says I lined up for like an hour and a half and he spelled it wrong. But oh well, that's that's how it is. Fill out the forms, legally change your name. Yeah, yeah, yeah done. So yeah, it was it was, good, it was a good watch. Like it had like footage and stuff from when he was playing. It had footage of him like with Michael Jordan and being a model and stuff. And how his kids were in it and they were getting interviewed, which was a nice look on that. And yeah, it's a, a fun thing to do on a hot summer's day for a, a Shane Moore enthusiast, really. But yeah, as I said, it's coming on Amazon Prime, so you probably just don't need to go to the movies. I had like some Cinebuzz anniversary, sort of only cost me $9 a ticket. So, like, from memory, I'm pretty sure it hit Amazon Prime on Australia Day, roughly around then. So, yeah, it's not like it's, not like it's a long wait before that one hits, hits a streaming service. I wouldn't be rushing to go to the movies to see it. Like I'm a, I'm I come in the top percentile of Shane Warren fans in the world, and I probably wouldn't be rushing to the movies to go see it, especially if you read his book. It's pretty much the same, but it's a visual version of it, which is kind of cool. Because like when I was reading the book, a lot of the times I'd like stop and I'd go and look up the footage, look at the highlights and whatever, just to like relive stuff. But yeah. So that was the cool part of it. But yeah, if you've got Amazon Prime, you just wait. You know, movies like $25. Go see King Richard or go see Spider-Man again instead. Put your money towards that. Even though it's supporting Australian film, so I probably should say go see it. But yeah. Yeah, we'll just watch it again on Amazon a couple of times. Did they dive into the sort of doping scandal and allegations and match fixing and like the the difficult aspects of his life? Yeah, they they touched around it and they got it like they were saying how like his mum gave him that diuretic and then a few months later it wasn't banned and then they asked his mum and his mum was like yeah I did it and like but they didn't it was like a small segment of it and then they went into yeah the the match fixing when he was offered like a quarter million dollars to bowl wide in Pakistan but it was kind of like I felt like they had to put it in and they just just trotted around it acknowledged it and then kept on going with everything else so the thing that I was surprise they gave more coverage about was when he was in that hotel room with those girls mm-hmm. that basically basically ended his marriage with his wife and they actually d- dived into that a bit and he was discussing it and saying how bad he felt and how depressed he was and how he was just like playing cricket and like it was like one of the best series he's ever played but he was just going back to the hotel getting pissed and whatever so 
And then I found out yesterday on the cricket, he talked to Mark Nichols about it as well. So I think he's been very open about that, which shows another side of him that I guess people don't really see. So I was, yeah, quite surprised that they went into more detail about that than the match fixing or the um, doping, that's for sure. Well, yeah, I think like the doping and the match fixing, like obviously they, they couldn't just obliterate it and not talk about it in the movie because people would have been like, hey, how are we missing this like really big moment in his life? But yeah. I think that sort of sex scandal era, I feel like that's the thing that sort of tarnished him in like the general public's eyes more than the other incidents. Yeah, definitely. So obviously I feel like that's probably why he's sort of more open about talking about that because it's it's not just cricket fans that were sort of disappointed in that. It was people like my mom and the general person on the street that saw that all over the news and were like, oh, this guy's a bit of a sleaze. Yeah, yeah, of course. And especially with the videos that came out. And this was before the days of smartphones as well. So it wasn't like to get that footage in 2005, it must have, yeah. It's not as easy as these days, that's for sure. Oh, yeah, it wasn't just someone hit record on their phone and left it leaning against a light or a lamp or something. They had to go and put in a, a hidden camera and film in just to catch him out. They're pretty intense. And now a quick word from our sponsor. First up is Decorate and Dance. For them, life is a party. And now as summer rolls around, the parties will be coming thick and fast. If you are hosting a party or an event, then all of the ingredients for a good time start with the three Ds. Design, decorate, and dance. You can't have a party without a theme, design, balloons, florals, and more. Decorations. And some good tunes, dance. The team over at Decorate and Dance can provide it all. Specializing in kids' parties, adults' parties, ends, nights, baby showers, corporate events and weddings. Decorate and Dance provide everything you'll need to have a great event. Book a designer, decorations, and a DJ for a party to be remembered at www.decorateanddance.com.au. That's www.decorateanddance.com.au. Next up is LF9 Designs. Are you in need of a new logo or event posters, Twitch overlays or emotes, or even merchandise designs? Then look no further than the team at LF9 Design for all of your graphic design needs. The team there can provide anything you need to suit all styles. Check them out on Instagram at LF9 Designs. You know how I've always had my rule of 12 books in a year, which I've done for the last few years. I'm at one already. And I've started a second book and I'm about halfway through it. And this book is another, it's a biography. So yeah, it's not an autobiography, it's a biography. That's when it's written with someone, right? Yeah, it's a biography. And it's a biography of probably the most interesting person that I came across in 2021. And his name's Spanion. He is a rapper, an ex-con, he lives in Redfern. I'm just absolutely obsessed with him. And my friend that I know, who was the Evolving at school, and he wrote the book with Spanion. And I'm very much hook, lined in sinker in this book. I was literally reading it before I jumped on this podcast. And it's just all about his life, like him growing up, him spending time in jail. Him, and because he grew up in like Redfern and Glebe and Woolloomooloo, 
all around where I live and I, I hang out a lot. So it's very interesting seeing him talk about those like areas and Marrickville and stuff. And yeah, Spanian, the King of Hudos. This book's very much easier book to read. I don't know if you can see there, but it's like very spaced out each page compared to warning here. Small text crammed together. So I've given up on all these other books I've been reading, but Shame One's done. This will be next. Might even read a love novel for next podcast. I'll find one. I'll find a short love story and I'll read that for the next podcast. We'll talk about that, that as well for Valentine's Day. I'm I'm all, I'm on this book thing. Holy dooly, you're gonna be a you're gonna be on the, the Blake level at this rate. You're gonna be 24 books, not 12. And I'd be happy if I just get to six, to be honest, but we started strong. I was going to say, I, I did the same thing last year. I was on track for easy 12, and then I think we hit April and I fell completely off the rails. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm um, yeah, let's, let's, let's try to get to six before I can think about 24. But yeah, no, we're, we're doing well so far. So yes, that's, that's two, there'll be two books already. And uh, Spanion's like big on TikTok, isn't he? He's big on Instagram. Oh, like he does TikToks now because I think everyone feels they have to. But yeah, he's quite big on Instagram. Um, he's got like a podcast as well where he interviews people and yeah, he's big on social media. That's how like how he got his following. Like I remember one day just seeing like this video of him. He's like, I'm feeling good. I'm walking down the street. I haven't had my coffee. I'm buzzing. It's 6.30 in the morning. And I was like, who is this guy? He's fascinating. And then I started like watching all these videos and I actually met him once. I was in I wanted to meet him for ages, like months. And I was always like around. I never see him. And then friends would message me and they'd be like, I just saw Span in here. I just saw Span in here. I'm like, because I could have met him. And then one day I was in Kmart wheeling my trolley and I was like overwhelmed as you are in Kmart because you're like, I only came here to spend two dollars and I've I've got $250 in my trolley walking around. I think it was like a Sunday or a Monday. I was like hungover from the weekend. I was walking around. I look up, he's, he's massive. There's big figures there with his missus, like he's massive. And I was like, I just said, oh man, I love you. And I just left my trolley and ran out of Kmart. And I just was like, <laughs> and then I was like, I just met Spanion and I just ran away from him. And then I went back to Kmart. There was nowhere to be seen. But um, yeah, hopefully I can do a better second impression if I ever bump into him again. I literally started wearing ASICS shoes because he wears ASICs and he likes ASICs. Like, I think he's just the most fascinating character in the world and this book just lives up to it, so. Oh, well, we've got the first nerves out of the way, so now next time we can get the, the TikTok collab. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, All Uh Yeah, so that's definitely one for readers to check out. Yeah. For me, the other thing I've been watching, like, over the break, I didn't really watch many TV shows. I think I watched maybe one or two. It's mainly been just movies because I've actually been getting out of the house and taking the dog for a walk. And then it's just like, it gets home. I'm like, no, I'm just going to chuck a movie on aircon, chill out and then watch a movie and go to bed. So I've been, I watched uh, the new Netflix uh, exclusive. Don't look up with the incredibly stacked cast of actors in it. It's a uh, satirical sci-fi comedy movie with Leonardo DiCaprio, Jennifer Lawrence, Kate Blanchett, Meryl Streep, Jonah Hill, Mark Rylance, Tyler Perry, Timothy Chalamet, Ron Perlman, Ariana Grande, Kid Cudi, and then we get some sneaky cameos from Sarah Silverman and Chris Evans. Oh. Netflix, their movies at the moment, they are just stacking them with actors. Like, 
Yeah, wow. What was the other one we had? Oh, the the Rock, Gal Gadot, Ryan Reynolds, Red Notice. Yeah. This one they've stacked it with an incredible cast as well, and yeah, like it's paying off because I think this is like they just went over like three hundred and fifty hours streamed since the movie released, and uh, oh wow, it's basically it follows. DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence's characters who are astronomers and they discover that there's this planet-destroying comet on a direct impact path with Earth and then they have to go and convince the world and politicians and media that um, if we don't do something immediately, we're all dead. Like this this isn't just going to wipe out part of the world. This is going to be civilization ending bigger than the dinosaur asteroid like we need to do something right now and then from there we sort of run into much like we saw last year with uh covid and i think probably more so in the last decade or so climate change basically the media and politicians and big business kind of just being like don't worry about that like don't, don't look over there. Just ignore that. That's nothing. Um, but it really is something that needs to be looked into. Yeah, it's had like a really mixed reaction. I've seen like some people love it. Some people just hate it and gave up after 10 minutes. But I think that's because of the way it delivers comedy. It's not like a Ryan Reynolds, here's a witty punchline or a wise-ass comment. It's very satirical and their inside jokes, like you kind of have to know what they're referencing to pick up on the joke. So a lot of it is media, Trump. Um, I think the big one that when it really clicked for me was uh, Meryl Streep, who plays the president, when she finally dons a cap that says, don't look up, and it's like the Trump red cap. Oh, I was like, okay, that one clicked for me. Like I, I can, I'm yeah. picking it up as we're going along, but. That one was the most like in your face moment where like, okay, that's where we're going with this. Yeah, of course. So yeah, like if you don't pick up on those references, like I understand why people are watching this movie and going, this is dumb. Like this isn't a comedy in that sense. With Leo being such a big climate activist, which is good, good, like well done. Um, I saw he's been in like the Maldives or somewhere on like a super yacht worth like $350 million that has to cost like a quarter of a million to fill up with petrol and people are like, how can you do this? And then just be on like this boat. It's like the, um, what's, what's those, those royals? I don't know. Megan and whatever her husband's name is. They're like big climate advocates, but they fly private jets everywhere. Like, yeah, good on you, but like, come on. Look in the mirror, guys. Look in the mirror. You could be doing a lot more. Yeah. And uh, I've read a few things where, Jonah Hill, who plays uh, Meryl Streep's son and basically like her political advisor, um, he said that he views his character as if Fire Festival was a person. So his character is probably like the most in-your-face comedic and funny of the lot. The rest are very sort of references to politicians and the media. Yeah, that makes sense. The funniest sort of references were when Meryl, no, when Jonah Hill's character, he has a quote where he's talking about his mum and he says, 
if she wasn't my mother and then realizes I shouldn't be saying this and stops himself, it sort of very much echoed when Donald Trump was talking about uh, his daughter, Ivanka. If she weren't my daughter, perhaps I'd be dating her. That was probably a very funny one. And then in the closing credits, we see a red car floating through space, which is obviously a, a reference to the Tesla Roadster that uh, Elon Musk decided to shoot into space for because he could shoot a car into space. Like very like funny if you pick up on the the clues, but yeah, I totally understand people watching it and being like, nope, I hate this. Like I'm not even going to watch 15 minutes. Like I'm out. Yeah, I try to watch like five and I stop watching, but that's also because my attention span is really not good at the moment because it's been a big few weeks um, of enjoying the festive season. So I need to um, get back on my health journey and I'll try it again because then I'll have more of a attention span. But at the moment, it's just, yeah. It was like, oh, I tried to watch Red Notice during some period and I was like, oh, I can't watch this. Just not there at the moment. And then I tried it like two weeks later when I was like, back to being healthy i was like oh this is hectic so yeah i think that i know they're the type of movies that i have to like be fully invested for and i'll give another another go that's another thing with the uh netflix movies at the moment like i think they've realized that sort of they can get away with the two two and a half closer to three hour movie because like you can pause it you can come back to it so they're not they're not going for that tight cohesive hour and a half they're they're going for, we want you to sit here and watch Netflix for the next two hours and really bump up those hours streamed numbers. Yeah, it's funny. Like I, something else I watched on Netflix was that death to 2022 or 2021. And one of the things was like, one of the girls was like, oh, I went to the movies, which I hadn't done for years, but I forgot you can't pause it. And I had to have a toilet break. So I peed myself and I forgot that wasn't acceptable. And I like <laughs> had a laugh at that. Like, because obviously, like, with watching stuff at home, you can pause and do whatever. Whereas, like, when I went and saw Spider-Man, my friend Will literally went to the toilet because he needed to go to the toilet, and he went to the toilet as fucking Andrew Garfield came. So, like, he literally got back and he was like, what? And I was like, bro, you don't go to the toilet in these movies. So, like, yeah, that's, as you said, they've got the advantage where they can have these big movies, you can pause it, you can, like, yeah. Like, by the end of Spider-Man, I was like, I wanted to pay real bad, but... I didn't want to miss a second of it, whereas I can just... I watched The Death of 2021 in two sittings. Even though it's an hour, I had stuff to do. So I was like, I'm just going to watch half of it and watch the other half, so... Yeah, way to pick, like, the worst time to walk out of that movie, Will. Like, yeah. 10 minutes before that, five minutes after that, fine. But that one moment was not the time. Yeah, like, the best part of the whole movie. Like, oh... Yeah, that's... That's horrible. Um, what did you think of Death to 2021? Did it live up to Death to 2020? Look, I don't think it lived up to Death to 2020 just because when I watched Death to 2020, I was like, oh, my God, what is this? Like, how have you come up with this? This is like a reflection on it. Whereas when Death to 2021 came out, I knew what it was going to be about, so it wasn't as more of that, like, initial shock factor. But, yeah, there were some really, really great moments in it i got to remember a lot of things about the year that i forgot about or didn't realize that, that was on so yeah and going back to like that leo thing and megan and whatever his name is flying private jets that influence like the youtuber guy who was my favorite the guy from stranger things was like yeah i went here here and here to talk about climate change 
And then they're like, how'd you get there? And he's like, oh, I've got a private jet, but like, because I'm doing this and it helps people learn about it, it's kind of carbon neutral because it cancels each other out. And like, that's literally what we were discussing. So like, <laughs> I, found that, I found that very funny, you know. Were there as many moments in that one where you were like, oh yeah, that happened last year. Like I remember watching Death to 2020 and obviously that was just an insane year with starting with the bushfires and then COVID happening. Like, yeah. oh. Last year, like I know a lot happened. Like we started with the insurrection riot thing in the US, but yeah, I don't think as much crazy stuff happened last year. So I, I haven't got around to watching death to 2021 yet just because i feel like it wasn't as insane crazy year that i need to look back on like i feel like i just spent most of it at home anyway you know what like i think the thing that i liked about it was it was a satirical look back on the year that was and i kind of liked that like i kind of like so i did on, on tiktok i did like a video i was like my year of review and just like, clips from the year and I, I literally scrolled through my whole camera roll from january to december and just picked footage and i was like oh yeah i did that i did that and i found that kind of kind of nice and then i sat down and i looked at my old tiktoks to see what i did in the year so i found that as a nice like nostalgic way to look back at the year so as it, when it comes to the, the show or the movie the doc, mockumentary that's what it is i think it was good there was enough in it it was a good way to look back because then you can remember like the good times like the olympics which was very fun especially for us because that's when we're in our, in our lockdown and that's the stuff that kept us entertained so I don't know if there's like an Australian version of it. I reckon that'd be cool as well, but just for us to look back on something like that. But yeah, there was enough in the year to be like, oh yeah, that happened and that happened. And like, yeah. And to be taking the piss out of Americans as well, which is brilliant. So brilliant. Yeah, well, and now it looks like that's going to sort of be an annual thing. So it'll be interesting to see what craziness pops up in the news this year that's going to end up being in death to 2022. Yeah. I feel like. The old Novak situation at the moment. That'll probably be in there at some point. God, he just got, got like, just got free like an hour or two ago. Yep. Ridiculous. Like, and Bob Saget died today. Mm-hmm. And then Betty White last week. Like, oh. Crazy. It's already, we're, what, 10 days in and it's already nuts. Yeah. And I've read one book already. Like, this is wild. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not overly happy about that Novak situation. I feel like. That judge has now just destroyed any border rules and regulations regarding COVID moving forward because he set that precedent now. I absolutely hate that so much. Like, I'm, I hope whoever, I saw a funny tweet, if someone beats Novak, they're just never going to have to buy a beer in Australia again because he's just going to be world at, like enemy number one. Like, he's won like what, seven of 10 last 10 Australian Opens or something? Like, this makes me feel sick as well. Like he clearly enjoys coming here and winning, but he has no respect for our rules and our people. I saw on the news that the cutoff for their medical exemptions was the tenth, mm. and he submitted his on after that. Yeah, but claims he had COVID on the sixteenth, but then on the seventeenth was out at a tennis function unmasked around people. I'm like. With kids and stuff. Like it was, it was at something on the 14th, the 15th, and the 16th. Like, yeah. Like it makes me totally question that positive diagnosis on the 16th. So, yeah. Yeah. I feel like that was just a very convenient positive just so that he could get the exemption and not have to prove vaccination status for Australia. Yeah. But I'm reading here 
if the immigration minister decides to use his personal power to revoke Djokovic's visa again, as described in early posts, the world number one will once again find himself prevented from competing. On top of that, he could be banned from entering the country for three years. So comes down to this, whoever the immigration minister is. Come on, mate. Who are you? Alex Hawke. Never heard of him. Yeah, yeah, he's a moment to shine, and I, I feel like he's just going to not bother typical government and do nothing. Just be like, yeah, close enough. The judge sorted it out. But, yeah, was not happy when I saw that he got off on that. Like, you're an international athlete who's going to be traveling all around the world and just get the vaccine. Like Nadal said, like, yeah, we all knew the rules. Just do it. Yeah. Everybody's been locked down for the last two years. We've been allowed to like continue traveling and playing. Like, it's not that hard to get two vaccines. Yeah, not at all. Like, and, uh, and he ran that stupid tournament where everyone got it as well. Like, he just doesn't care like at, at all. I can't believe this court system. Actually, I can't believe this court system. Just briefly, the last couple of movies I watched, I finally got to watch Ghostbusters Afterlife, the brand new canonical sequel to Ghostbusters 1 and 2 from the 80s. I enjoyed it. Like it felt like a return to form for Ghostbusters. I was not a fan of the 2016 all-female Ghostbusters movie. Yeah, just didn't like that one. Um, I liked that this one uh, had was directed by Jason Reitman, who is the son of Ivan Reitman, who directed the original uh, Ghostbusters movies. So that was a cool like familial tie, and I feel like he's done a really good job of capturing the spirit of his dad's universe really spoiler alert the original ghostbusters do pop up the ones that are alive and then uh harold ramus who obviously has passed away he's in there with archival clips and the cgi ghost apparition version of himself so yeah i really liked it um return to form for ghostbusters i found it weird that the iconic Ghostbusters theme song doesn't play until the very closing credits. Really? That's cool. Just so weird. I was like, there was moments like when they finally get the Ecto-1 or they finally like say the Ghostbusters Mm. and they didn't play the song. I was like, okay, this is a bit weird, but each their own and choices, I guess. And then you mentioned Spider-Man No Way Home. The closing credit for that. Yeah is a Venom reference. Yeah. Which makes so much more sense now that I've seen Venom Let There Be Carnage. Yeah. Because I hadn't seen it until not last night, the night before. Yeah. Watched it and I was like, ah, okay, I get that reference at the end of that movie now. Makes me think that the third Venom that is in the works at the moment will be the official entry of venom into the mcu well i hope that is the case yeah i liked that tom hardy was deeply involved in the writing of this one like this one felt this was much better than the first i loved it like it didn't look good in the trailers this one didn't look good in the trailers but it's a much better movie than the first one i think yeah big time big time so good like i I enjoyed the both but like yeah the second one was hectic it was so good I think I've been reading stuff. That could, he could, Venom could be popping up if they do another um, Andrew Garfield Spider Man. That's where they reckon he might end up. So, 
there's there's a lot of clues pointing towards that. I've seen like the tips and stuff. So I'm excited. Venom's my favorite. Only if it's Tom Hardy. Oh yeah. If if they bring Venom into the MCU and it's not Tom Hardy, that's gonna annoy a lot of people. Like he's awesome in this role. Yeah. Tom Hardy is Eddie Brock and the that interplay between him and the Venom voice. So funny. Yeah. Yeah, it's perfect. He absolutely nails it. That was the best part about this one, just the interplay between those two. It was like this odd couple wanting one wanting one thing, one wanting the other thing, and then them kind of just arguing until Venom gets his way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love it so much. So yeah. Just a massive movie bonanza for me over the holidays. So nice. A big movie bender, whereas I was in a different kind of bender. So at least you watched enough stuff. <laughs> but neither of us caught COVID. So yep. we all we we're all on the right track. Yeah. What would be your top recommendation for the week? I don't know, like probably Death to 2021. 20, like if you haven't seen Spider-Man, I'm going to keep saying Spider-Man until the next good Marvel movie comes out. But, yeah, I'd say Death to 2021 is just a good way to look back on the year that was. So I can't believe that year's over now. So, yeah, that's my recommendation. Or if you want to read the Spanian book because it's just so interesting, just so, or just look at the Spanian Go look at Spanion's Instagram and watch his videos and see how fascinating he is. And then if you like what, he, what he's about, read his book because it's just very interesting read about someone that's gone from growing up with a, like in a bad environment to jail, to jail, to jail, to jail, and now he's out making things himself. So, yeah. All right. Perfect. For me, it's uh, King Richard. So obviously it's not in cinemas yet, but when that hits cinemas this week, uh, right around Australian open time. Definitely go and check that out if you want to continue the tennis binge of let's watch live tennis and then, hey, in the evening, go and watch a movie. King Richard's the, the way to go. I'm going to check it out. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the commentary booth. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe on all of the podcast services and on YouTube. You can follow Jackson on TikTok at jacks underscore what two underscores car yep and you can follow me on social media at jam yaps media and at perio magazine the commentary booth is a fan-funded production of jam yaps media you can support the podcast alongside our new magazine perio magazine on patreon at patreon.com forward slash jam yaps media the following people have supported at the publisher level or higher and you cannot fathom how incredibly appreciative we are for their support brian and june hart blake robinson Courtney Paulson, Jackson Carr, and Tracy Upps.